Jedi Dropouts, where we like to keep it more geekly than weekly. I'm here with my ever-faithful co-host, Ryan, the guy, Taylor. Yeah, yeah that's me. And, uh, of course, as always, I'm here with my co-host and hetero life mate, the J to my silent Bob, the blunt man to my chronic, and the snoochie to my boochies, Mr. James Moss. See, I thought about doing the hetero life mate <laughs> thing, and I was just like, nah... And now I'm very glad that I didn't. I put, I put. I wouldn't have thought to say the snoochies to my boochies, so I'm <laughs> much more happy that you did it. I, I just listed as many of those as I could because I wasn't sure if you were going to use any, so I had I had like extras to fall back on. But fuck it, I got I got to use them all. Uh, so we're back again. Another episode of Jedi Dropouts. Uh. Umming and and bullshitting our way through the intro as always. Damn right. Uh, if you listened to last week's episode, you may have heard that uh, today we're going to be focusing on our biggest influence, Kevin Smith, ranking the top eight Kevin Smith movies because we like eights. Yep. And uh, we are going to be reviewing the second season of Jessica Jones just recently released on Netflix and uh, we're gonna attempt to fan cast The Legend of Zelda um, which should be interesting to say the least I think so but before we do that we've got uh, the housekeeping as always we got our news we got our mailbag yep so, uh, let me jump right into the news. i got a couple small items here. Uh, first off, speaking of Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Season 2 release date has been revealed June 22nd, which is pretty soon. Yep. Uh, I'm excited for it. They released a small teaser. Um, Luke looks badass as always. And... You know, if we're getting two of these seasons within the first half of the year, I gotta wonder, are we actually gonna get, like, four this year? That would be pretty cool. It really would. Like, I assume Daredevil Season 3 is coming this year, but I gotta wonder, maybe Iron Fist Season 2 in, like, December, even? Uh Maybe? I'm fucking down for it. I'm, I'm gonna watch them. They keep putting them out, I'll keep watching Keep setting them up, I'll keep knocking them down. <laughs> uh, we got a uh, small piece of video game news here. I don't know if this pertains much to you, James, and I don't know if this pertains much to any of the people who listen, but I'm sure at least one person listening is a fan of Valve, uh, the creators of Portal, Half-Life, uh, Left 4 Dead, uh, Team Fortress, all these great uh, video games a lot of people love. I'm a big fan of Valve games. And they haven't really made a video game in fucking like, I'm going to guess like six years. Because, uh, well, they, they're the creators of Steam as well, like which revolutionized PC gaming. Uh, yeah. But they've announced they're back in the games business. They're making and releasing games again. And that's pretty fucking awesome. Uh, the first game they're putting out is a card game uh, in the style of like Hearthstone or Gwent or Magic the Gathering Online. 
and it's called Artifact. I'm not sure when exactly that's supposed to be out. It's not exactly what I look for in a Valve game, because I'm more Half-Life, Portal, um, first-person type of thing, but Valve's making games again, so everybody go fucking celebrate, you know. Um, and uh, again, very very small amount of news here, but the last two are pretty fucking huge and very relevant. Uh, two pieces of Star Wars news, which we, sh- we should probably talk about more, considering it's called Jedi Dropouts. Um, first off, Mr. John Williams himself has announced that Star Wars Episode Nine will be the last Star Wars movie he ever scores. Wow. Yeah. Sad, but fitting. Like, if this is really, truly the final piece of the Skywalker saga, I mean, isn't that a better movie for him to go out on than, say, some, like, episode two of some random trilogy that doesn't have anything to do with the Skywalkers? Yeah. Like... You know, I, it makes sense. It's fitting. And, uh... He'll be sorely missed, but, uh... You know, uh... The guy is... The guy's probably the greatest film, uh... Composer... Of all time. I, I mean, I, I can't think of anybody that compares. Uh, Indiana Jones, Jaws, Harry Potter, Jurassic Park... Uh, basically, if there's a film score that you know and can sing to yourself, it's probably John Williams. Um, <laughs> so I doubt he. I doubt uh, this is really a retirement from film composing in general. But that's uh, nah, a good way for him to to leave the Star Wars saga. I think. Yeah, like he might not be like as known a name as. Say like Danny Elfman. Ah, uh, yeah, but, yeah. But for me, the things that he scored, excuse me, were much more of my childhood. Yeah. No, I gotta agree there. Um, and like, yes, Danny Elfman has a very specific sound. But I don't feel like Danny Elfman's uh, scores themselves are as iconic. Like, I mean, you just take Star Wars and all the uh, iconic songs from that alone out of the picture. You still got fucking Jurassic Park. I mean, da 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 da. Like, it's fucking. Everybody knows that shit. Jaws. It's iconic. Yeah. Uh, you hear it and you know exactly... Like, it, it brings you right back to the movie, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that is uh, another interesting aspect going into episode 9. I mean, as, as if that movie needed any more reasons to be interesting as shit. <laughs> yeah. Which, I mean, like, if he's planning on... Um, if he's planning to use this as his last score, like maybe he's gonna put all the stops. Yeah, exactly. 
who knows? Maybe uh, maybe brand new themes that go down as iconic film film themes come from this one alone. Who knows? Uh, anyway, we've got a second piece of Star Wars news here. And the big one that kind of exploded on the internet uh, within the last week. The live-action Star Wars TV series is going to be uh, created and run by Jon Favreau. Best known for... Which is nuts, because yeah. I love Favreau's work. Oh, yeah. And if you don't know, uh, John Favreau, I mean, honestly, he's probably like best known to most people for his face, for his acting. He plays Happy Hogan uh, in, in the uh, MCU. And then he's he's had bit parts in like he's had parts in movies over the years like uh, he was in a lot of Vince Vaughn movies he was on Friends uh, he was in the Ben Affleck Daredevil too exactly but he's also a fantastic fucking director directed Iron Man and he directed uh, the live action Jungle Book plus, yes he plus, did I forgot he did the Jungle Book yeah and and now Disney has him doing the new Lion King movie as well. So, that is so good. It makes sense. I mean, the guy who created the first movie of the MCU, he created probably the first, not not the first live action uh, of the Disney movies, but I think Jungle Book was the first one that got really good reviews. Yeah. That one sort of uh, kick-started the new wave that they're into now, Beauty and the Beast and the new Lion King and Aladdin and so on. So... Why not get? Why not give him a fucking Star Wars TV show? I get it. Uh, it just makes too much sense, you know. Yeah. Like I don't know how much of a hand he's gonna have in it exactly. I think he's like an ex- executive producer, um, probably showrunner, and I'm guessing probably directing the pilot or something like that. That's usually how those things go. With uh. Directors who are used to just directing TV episodes coming in and, and doing that kind of work. Uh, but, yeah. But, I mean, you will see uh, his style on the show. That's generally the thing, right? Yeah. Anyway, that's the news. Uh, not a lot of news, but all of it was pretty fucking cool news. So, that's a win. Yeah. I'll take it. For sure. You want to do the mailbag? Always. Yeah, the mailbag. Three weeks running. Well, not three weeks. Three episodes running. I guess it's been like a month and a half. Uh, we got. Uh, we, we didn't put out a call for uh, mailbag questions because we had a couple on the backlog, so we just uh, decided to clear that out. And uh, we'll be doing the call for mailbag questions when the time comes again. Uh, so, first off, from the backlog, my good friend Will Sullivan wants to know, if you could relive any moment of your life, what would it be? And would you change anything? Uh, I came up with an answer pretty quickly for this one. Yeah, me too. Okay. And I, I would change something. Um... Back in, shit, like probably 2007, 2008, 
I had tickets to go see the Misfits in Toronto. Ooh. One of my favorite bands ever, although at the time they were going through one of their shitty phases where Jerry only was sole vocalist. Uh, yeah. And I, so I had a ticket to go see them. I was excited as shit, but I had an anxiety attack before the plane took off. And I got off the plane. Okay. And I still have this intact ticket for a Misfits show here in my house. Still have never seen them. And, yeah, so that's probably where I would go back to, is I would stay on that plane, stick it out, because I've since learned, like, I am able to fly. I just have trouble during takeoff and landing. But once I'm in the air, I'm fine. Okay, yeah. I get it. So, yeah, I'd probably go back there and keep myself on the plane, stick it out, and just get through that rough little bit at first. Yeah. I hear you, man. That's uh, that's a solid answer. I yeah. I personally have to disagree. I would not change the past. And uh, don't get me wrong; it's not a cliche sort of no regrets. You know, one of those that fucking shit. Uh, but I've seen a lot of time travel movies. Okay, and I know that if I went back in my past to change some minor regret. I'd come back to a future where Big Macs were made out of orphan meat or some shit like that. Okay? I know how these things work. You don't you don't fuck with the past, man. That's <laughs> that's time travel rule number 1. Uh so really my only option is to find uh, a moment from my past that was really really great and go relive it and not change a thing. Um so I mean realistically uh that's that would probably be my first date with Charlotte. Uh, we went to see the Muppets, but this is also a geek podcast, so I kind of need a geeky answer. Uh, so my answer is to go back to roughly 1995 on a Sat on any given Saturday morning, and uh, watch Spider Man eat Captain Crunch and play Street Fighter Two on Sega Genesis, and. Uh, <laughs> Relive a, a, a 90s Saturday morning in all its glory. That's... Yeah, but <laughs> if we're talking, like, time travel... Yeah. Even the smallest change... Oh, shit. ...can have repercussions that you don't expect. Yeah. So you go back to a Saturday morning in 1995. Fuck. You have your Captain Crunch. Yeah. But instead of playing as your... Like, as the characters you played as when you played Street Fighter, you choose E Honda instead of Blanca. Oh, man. That, for some reason, you <laughs> get on a run with Honda that day. Yep. And then all of a sudden, you're like, man, like, Honda is a badass. I'm so good with Honda. You start playing more and more Street Fighter. You're running the board as Honda. And then. That turns into, instead of us doing this podcast today, you're a professional a video game player competitively playing Street Fighter <laughs> using solely E-Honda. 
Oh, man. You got a point there. You and Charlotte never meet because you're off in oh. some video game tournament instead of going to Grenfell. So, really, the only answer to fit with my 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 <laughs> no don't fuck with time travel thing is is to go back to something very simple and quick <laughs> um shit i don't know um <laughs> that's a tough one yep i i go back to i don't know i i have no answer then I can't think of anything that <laughs> everything I think of, I think shit. What if, what if I did something different? Oh man! Yeah. The the answer to this question is don't fuck with time travel. <laughs> it, it's exactly like the Simpsons said in that Treehouse of Horror episode where Homer rebuilt the toaster. <laughs> I haven't seen that one. It's the exact advice that Abe Simpson gave Homer on his wedding day. If you ever find yourself going back in time, don't touch anything. Yep. So, um, basically, Will asked a question about moments in our life and if we had regrets and we came out of it with, we don't want to cause a time paradox. <laughs> yep. And that's how the mailbag works here at Jedi Dropouts. <laughs> <laughs> and you were worried it was going to be all serious. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I hope I hope those answers uh, are, are to your satisfaction. There, will. Uh, we got another question from Cody Bennett, uh, another friend of the podcast. Here, he wants to know if you could create an X Men character, what kind of powers would they have? And who would you cast to play them? I really enjoyed this question, and I was super curious who asked it. Kind of glad it was Cody. Yeah, he he like like uh, he messaged me be, uh, for the very first mailbag and asked uh, how to go about submitting a question. I got back to him, and it slipped his mind, so he didn't get one in for the first one. So I think out of like. I don't know if it was, like, last-minute desperation. He sent, like, four or five questions, <laughs> just one after the other. Uh, so, yeah, I think we've, we've kind of got a backlog of questions from him. We could probably just ask a question from him for every episode now. Uh, I think so. <laughs> but this is a really fun question. It is a super fun question, and I came up with an answer fairly quickly for it, but... Uh, I'm pretty happy with what I came up with. Okay. Um, being a big Dragon Ball Z fan, ooh, I, it came to mind like I was thinking like, what powers have we seen and haven't we seen in X Men movies and such? And like we've seen the super speed, we've seen the super strength, we've seen weather manipulation we've seen energy blasts we've seen psychics and then i was like i'd like to see someone with a power similar to goldo from the ginyu force okay. where he can freeze time when he holds his breath and only he's able to move around and 
like everything else freezes when he holds his breath. Huh. That's pretty specific. Yeah. And I thought, like, you have someone with that character, then you could have a pretty cool scene where, like, for some reason he's, like, knocked underwater and therefore trying not to drown has to hold his breath for a certain length of time. And, like, here he is underwater with, like, everything around him just, like, frozen. And it, like, like can cut to, like, all these other things as people are, like, fighting or doing shit, just, like, frozen in place. As he's, like, struggling to get back to the surface of the water, like, gasping for air. Yeah. I thought that would be a pretty cool scene. Or, like, someone thinks they're finally getting the upper hand on them and they don't realize how he stops time and how he does what he does. And they think they're going to finish him off by choking him. Ah. They cut off his air supply. He's not breathing. Everything freezes. He gets out of it. Yeah, that's smart. I like that. Yeah, and I was kind of thinking who I would cast in this role. I kind of started off thinking, like, you know, person in their 20s, something like that. Then I was like, it's Xavier's school for gifted youngsters. I think it would be cool to have this be, like, a younger person who's just discovering their powers like, you know, around the age of puberty, which is when it hits for most people in the X-Men yep. realm. So I thought it would be really cool to have Wyatt Olaf from It Oh yeah. play this role. Yeah, I could see that working. Like, he could be kind of quiet, nerdy, reserved, a little bit awkward, kind of like his character from It and... Yeah, just, you know, trying to figure out who he is as he's, like, fitting in at this new school, trying to come to terms with his new abilities and such. Yeah, that sounds fucking awesome. Yeah. So, you know, Marvel, give me a call. As always, we are... I got got the Diaz. Like, uh... We were pretty committed to the podcast, but that being said, Marvel, Disney, DC, any of you guys are looking for some extra help, we can find the time in our schedules uh, for the right price, of course, you know. Yep. Uh, we're open to it. We're open We're open to considering it. <laughs> Honestly, like... Buy me a pizza and stick my name in the credits where it's easy to read and not just jumbled in with everyone else, and I will toss y'all some ideas. Yeah. Like, you don't even need to buy me a pizza. Let me eat a pizza that I bought, but let me share that pizza with, like, uh, I don't know, fucking Tom Holland, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Let me sit in a room and eat a pizza that I paid for with Tom Holland. And I will give you my ideas. Yep. 
That's that's all I ask. <laughs> uh, Minimum of five Chelsea's. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Totally fair. Uh, yep. <laughs> we're not asking for if much. If I was to eat pizza with Spider-Man, I would want some proofs. Oh, he and he needs to wear the costume. Fuck that! I need to wear the costume. Oh, uh, good point. Good point. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. There needs to be. A I co- can wear the costume. <laughs> he can wear the mask. That way, he can, has trouble eating pizza. More pizza for me. <laughs> then, if he's wearing the mask, it's harder to prove it's oh. Tom Holland and not just some dude in a Spider-Man mask. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It all works out. I'm wearing the suit. No one's wearing the mask. We're eating pizza. Minimum five selfies. Oh, I've got it. And Marvel can have all of our ideas. I get it. I get. I got it. He gets to wear the Spider-Man, like the flashy Spider-Man costume. You get to wear the the hoodie, like initial uh, costume that he wears. You know what I'm talking about? Like the prior. Yeah, yeah that one. Because that's probably comfier. Yeah. It's got a hood, and if it rains, you know. Uh, so you're comfier, and you get pizza, and the selfies work, and, you know. <laughs> Marvel, we've set our price. The t- ball's in your court. <laughs> yep. I-, I think we're giving you a pretty good deal for how gold some of these ideas are. It's on the table, man. Uh, yep. <laughs> on the table, under the table, fuck it. Like... <laughs> As long as there's a table for me to put my pizza on, I'm good. You know what? I would I would give away my ideas for a table. For a nice, yeah. like, Ikea table, you know? Uh. It depends on the craftsmanship and how well yeah. it fits in the room. Yeah, see if it ties the room together. Uh. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking for a new desk for the room I do my recordings in. Yeah, yeah. So, so we want yep. we want celebrity hangouts or furniture, either or, so long as there's pizza involved. Um, I mean, fuck it. I'll have Jeremy Renner help me put together my IKEA shit. Oh yeah. I'll pay for the pizza. Like that's cool with me. Like I know I know nothing about Jeremy Renner, but I can I would bet all of my money that he is handy. Yeah, he looks like a handy guy. You, you fucking know that guy knows how to fix shit. Like, like, if someone, I would bet every dollar in my bank account that Jeremy Renner can change a tire faster than I can make toast. Fucking guarantee That's just like, how well toasted do you like your toast? Because I like my toast barely toasted. If you like your toast barely burnt. Hmm. It depends. It depends on what I'm having with the toast. Uh, see, like, there's so many variables. Yeah, here. yeah, that's fair. Okay, yeah, yeah, and like, uh, you know, uh, kind of tire. What kind of vehicle are we talking here? This is uh, yeah, yeah. What's, okay. what's the weather like? Yeah. <laughs> if, is there a lot of traffic blowing by? If it's like a deserted road, optimal conditions, he could probably change it pretty quick. Sure. If it's the middle of a blizzard and he constantly has to be like. You know, trying to warm up his hands, and there's, like, traffic flying by, but no one's stopping to help him, but they're all, like, splashing him with slush, and you can barely see what he's at. Like, you know, like, there's variables to consider here. Oh. 
So that was a tangent. Back to X Men. <laughs> uh, okay, <laughs> holy shit! That'll get back on this one. Uh, if 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 you if you're just tuning in now, or if you forget what the fuck we were talking about, uh, if I could create any X Men character, what kind of powers and who would I cast to play them? Uh, so okay, I always thought the most compelling and interesting X Men characters were ones with like. Uh, they were very powerful, but their powers were unstable. Like uh, Jean, okay. Gre- Jean Grey, Legion, um, Scarlet Witch at times. Uh, I mean, even Professor X himself in Logan. You know what I mean? I always found yeah. I always found those stories to be really fucking cool. Uh, so I wanted to come up with. Uh, a mutant who could have really unstable powers that could lead to some really fucked up shit. Uh, and I came up with the idea, I don't know if this is an existing mutant. It could be. There's a fucking ton that I will never remember all of them. Um, so, the idea is this character has the ability to change the genetic makeup of anything they touch. Uh like, I'm not that great with science, but I know that, uh, say, you add this much of a chemical and you completely change the makeup of whatever uh, matter that is, you know what I mean? So, well, I mean, like, even the slightest change in a single chromosome yes. could be, like, you know, whether you're a healthy individual or you're born with a cognitive impairment and a hole in your heart. Exactly. Exactly. It's so, so very, uh, what's the word? It, it could, so little could do so much. So, if they have, say, Gene Grey levels of ability to do this, in the early days... Uh, when they don't know how to control it, that could be very fucked up. Like, oh, yeah. shaking somebody's hand and completely changing the majority of their genetic makeup. Like, uh, I don't know how to really explain it. You need someone with a better understanding of science. Uh, not that uh, not that I'm, I'm that bad with science. I'm just not <laughs> good at... at uh, I will never try and explain it because I'm, I'm no expert. Uh, but once they got the hang of it, they could easily be the most powerful X-Men. Yeah. But at the same time, uh, in terms of, like, ranged attacks or hand-to-hand combat, they're pretty much just a human, you know what I mean? It's kind of like Rogue. Yeah. But the thing is, the difference between the X-Men and a lot of the other people in the Marvel Universe is... X-Men, their powers are genetic. Yes, exactly. So, they could literally strip the powers from every other mutant and just turn them into a normal human once they get the hang of their powers. Yeah. Until they're the only mutant left in the world. Yep. That is cool to think about. And, And the thing about this character is... Like, yes, they have 
unreal powers, but they're not overpowered. I mean, shoot this person in the head, they're gonna die. Yeah. There's no, they don't, you know, uh, I mean, maybe once they get to the advanced stages, they could find a way around that, but, uh, I don't know, I, I just, I think that that was the, the best idea I came up with in terms of power, and I was trying to think of someone who could play this character in both the sort of fragile and horrified at their own, uh, their own body version, but also the badass later stage, and I landed on, uh, Jane Levy from Don't Breathe and Evil Dead. Nice. Because... Like, just in those two movies alone, she does both of those. Like, she is the, uh, I mean, spoiler alert, but in Evil Dead, the scene where she is fucking horrified as she has to chainsaw off her, no, she has to rip off her own arm when it's stuck under that vehicle, right? Yeah. And then the full-on badass moments later when she chainsaws through a deadite. Like, she has every level of acting that I would want to see in someone playing this character. So that's that's my pick. Right there. And as far as uh, costume design and biography and naming, then hire a, an actual professional writer to do that shit. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, like... So much of the X-Men story is about, like, you know, anti-mutant sentiments and everything like that, which is, you know, a big metaphor for racism and LGBTQ rights and stuff like that. Yep. But so many of the stories revolve around people wanting mutants gone. Yeah. So, like... Once they find out about this character's ability to just take the powers away permanently by rewriting the genetic makeup, how many of the X-Men's enemies, like William Stryker and such, would be trying to get their hands on this person and weaponize them? Yep. Like, that plays right into the wheelhouse of the whole X-Men mythos I can like I can think of half a dozen fucking solid storylines just on that alone oh yeah I didn't realize like I I kind of came up with it on a whim and all this other stuff that you're thinking about now this is totally just fucking extra I didn't think of any of that oh god like I think so many good stories could come of it so yeah, in all seriousness, um, like I don't even know who, who to shout out to Fox and or Disney, whoever is running the show there now. Uh, not Brian Singer, you can stay away from us. Uh, <laughs> uh, if any, if uh, anyone who has anything to do with X Men likes that idea and happens to be listening, <laughs> you know, you know where to find me. Can you imagine, like, post-combat, 
claws out Wolverine losing his mutant abilities and his healing factor. Oh, shit. Like, yes, he would lose his claws because that's part of his genetic makeup. Yeah. But he still has all this adamantium attached to his skeleton. Oh, Jesus Christ. Like, would his body just crumble under the added weight of it? Like, that's what, if see, the claws, like, disappeared or went back in, like, those holes in his hands wouldn't heal immediately, yeah. and he'd be left there, like, bleeding in agony. Yeah, see, that's the thing. Like, I, I think this would be a character that wouldn't fit in as much on, say, the X-Men animated series, but in, like, some of those 90s fucking uh, more adult-oriented X-Men comics, it would be, like, right at home. It would be fucking grotesque in some of the the shit this character could do. Like, I I mean, if you don't know uh, what you're doing at all, and you, you, your skin-on-skin contact uh, changes a being's genetic makeup, you could, like, that would be fucking David Cronenberg shit. Uh, you, yeah. c- you come out of there with with some really fucked up, like, like Jeff Goldblum era The Fly shit. Yep. See, I wasn't even thinking, like, Jeff Goldblum era The Fly stuff. I was thinking, like... someone like Angel picks them up and tries to fly them away somewhere and they accidentally make skin-on-skin contact and suddenly Angel's no longer a, you know, mid-twenties, early-thirties male with wings. He's, you know, now he can no longer fly and has ALS or Parkinson's or MS or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In mid-flight. It would be fucking dark. And he just falls and splats. Yeah. Yeah, you'd you'd really want to uh, put some sort of warning label on the front of that comic. Uh. Yep. (laughs) Uh, The possibilities are fucking endless. Yep. Anyway, <laughs> let's uh, let's get into uh, some of the main main segments of our episode here now. Uh, Jessica Jones season two. Yes. For those who don't know. Uh, Net, like I, if if you somehow managed to listen to episode, uh, what is this episode thirty of Jedi Dropouts and have never heard of, uh, the Netflix Marvel shows, then I applaud you for your inattent inattentiveness. Uh, if you don't know, Netflix and Marvel teamed up uh, a couple years back. They started a series of TV ser- TV shows based on different heroes: Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, The Punisher. And the team-up series, The Defenders. And here at Jedi Dropouts, we are huge fucking fans of these shows. Well, some of them more than others. Well, yeah. 
But uh, Jessica Jones season two uh, aired, uh, premiered last week. Thirteen episodes dropped on Netflix. Uh, did you? How, how far did you get? I have ten minutes left to episode nine of thirteen. Okay, I'm roughly the same. I think ten to fifteen minutes left, but I'm back in episode six. Uh, I had a bit of a busy weekend from like Thursday to Sunday. I think it was Sunday was when I got to start the show, so I managed to uh, get through a couple episodes enough to get a feel for the season, or so I think. Anyway, I don't know. Maybe it changes drastically. But we can do a, a sort of light review here. Yeah, we can do the low sodium <laughs> yeah. review of Jessica Jones. <laughs> the sugar-free version. Yeah. Uh, the... This is the stevia sweetened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Jessica Jones review brought to you by Jedi Dropout. Not a sponsor. Uh, so, what do you Although... think? Oh. We would be happy to take a sponsor from many places. We would be, not most, but many. A lot. The you it had to be pretty hard pressed for us not to be interested in getting you as a sponsor. Yeah, like, you'd have to be like a Nazi or just <laughs> a blatant racist or Yeah. Up to some shady business. Like, what kind of Nazi organization wants to put out an advertisement on a podcast? Exactly. Like, is there like a Nazi? Is there like a Nazi Home Depot that I don't know about? Or uh, I don't. I mean, they gotta get all the lumber for the crosses they burn somewhere. Uh, or like, inst- but I mean, like, would you accept sponsorship from the NRA? No. No, I exactly. wouldn't. But I've also never heard an NRA ad on on a podcast. <laughs> well, I mean, they have their own podcast. Oh yeah, they do, don't they? Uh, yep. <laughs> yeah. No. I. Uh, unless you are a terrible person working for a terrible business, we'll probably take your ad, whatever it is. Uh, hopefully, more relevant to the podcast and to our listeners. But, I mean, if you just happen to have uh, a line of adult diapers and you want to give us money to do ads, we'll, we'll fucking do that. That's fine. I don't, I don't have... Set. And I would love a sponsorship from an adult diaper line. I have, like, I have like no standards. Working in healthcare, like, I am constantly hearing coworkers talk about the good brands of adult diapers versus the bad ones like like there you go if you want to sponsor us man like i am all on board for that and you know your shit i'll try and book you up with a contract at cornbrook long-term care oh there you go look at that western health i'll try and (laughs) nail that down for you okay man we're full the tangents today uh jessica jones (laughs) yeah uh so what do you think overall, or uh, out of the nine-ish episodes you've seen? Okay, well, the first season of Jessica Jones wasn't amongst my favorite of the Marvel Netflix series. Okay. It was better than Defenders, it was better than Iron Fist. Yep. I but have... it wasn't as good as Punisher, Luke Cage, or Daredevil to me. I fully agree. 
this season, like, I'm not enjoying, like, there are moments that I enjoy, but overall, I'm finding this show hard to get through. Okay. Like, it, it is, I'm having to force myself to sit there and watch it. It is not holding my attention. And it's not because, you know, female protagonists, anything like that. It's partly because I'm not drawn to the surly, fuck you, I'll go it alone, hard drinking characters, which is why, like, Wolverine has never been a huge favorite of mine. Yeah. So, naturally, like, male, female, young, old, I'm not going to be as drawn to the type of character that Jessica is. Okay, yeah. I mean, some people, that's right up their alley. Those are the types of characters they like. Just just surly, just lone wolf. That's not my cup of tea. But aside from that, and we're going to get into very, very minor spoiler territory here, um... I just find that they're just, like, the whole, like, addiction thing. They're hitting it way too hard. Like, season one, Jessica's this binge-drinking P.I., and she's got this addict neighbor, Malcolm. Yeah. Who's just turned himself around. But now, this season, you've got... Um, we go back into Trisha's backstory a little bit, but now, like, she's starting to relapse, and now Trisha's using. Yeah. And so you've replaced one addict with another one. Like, you get one addict clean, and they're growing tremendously as a character, and Malcolm has become, hands down, 100% my favorite character on this show. Oh, yeah. And then just replaced him with someone else who's addicted. And then you've got Jerry Hogarth, who in the comics is a man, an overweight, middle-aged man. Yep. And they decided to cast Carrie Ann Moss from, no relation, from <laughs> The Matrix. She was fucking Trinity in The Matrix, which I thought was fantastic. And she's partying it up, like, scar-facing it into the blow with a bunch of hookers. And so, like, she's using, and Trish is using, and Jessica's boozing it up. And at one point, like, Malcolm is so careful to avoid triggers that could cause him to relapse. And then, like, Trish basically shoots him up with what she's been using, and Malcolm is, like, freaking out, like, what the fuck are you doing to me? Like, I'm in recovery. So, like, I don't know if, like, over the last couple episodes this season, if Malcolm's gonna relapse. And it's just, like, you can only do the addiction angle so much without it being too repetitive. Yeah. Like, it's starting to become, like, just enveloping the whole show to me just like the characters all seem to be going in just this one direction yeah I hear you like 
not enough deviance in character development for me. Okay. And, like, I understand why they're doing the things they do, like why they use these substances to cope. Jerry has an illness. Jessica's had numerous traumatic things happen to her, like not only with the Kilgore stuff, but with the IGH stuff. Trish has all the stuff like that is getting flushed out early in the season about how like, you know, when she was a child star and when like her mother pimped her out to the studio to try and, you know, get the contract and everything like that. Like I get it that they're all coping with traumatic shit. And that like Jessica has every right to, you know, like be looking for some some way to cope with like, you know, being experimented on, being in an accident that she lost her family, you know, Kilgore making her kill people and, you know, basically raping her. Yeah. Like, I get it. Like, if I was in those kinds of traumatic situations, maybe I'd want to drink my pain away too. But just to take that angle with every main character in the show, it's just feeling very one-dimensional, one-directional. Yeah, I get that. And it's very it's very dialogue-heavy and not in an awesome Kevin Smith way. Okay, yeah. So I'm finding, like, A, there's only one story being told most of the time out of say, four main characters. And B, it's slow-moving because there's so much dialogue and very little action. Yeah. So I, that's why, like, even when I do sit down to try and get through the show, like, I'm not finding it binge-worthy. Okay. Like, I will watch it to the end, but I, like... Punisher, I had done within 24 hours. Jessica Jones, I'm finding it hard to get through more than one episode a day. Okay, I get that. Yeah, that's my take on it. Uh, let me see. Uh, I, I do agree. I think Jessica Jones is very much the middle of the pack with the Marvel shows. Yeah. Like, I don't enjoy it quite as much as... Actually, exactly what you said. Daredevil, Luke Cage, Punisher. But it's far better than Defenders or Iron Fist. Uh, yeah. One thing I really liked about this season... Uh, I'll, you know, and I'll get the negative out of the way first. I think you pretty much hit the nail on the head with... Uh, they're going a little too on the nose. And it's not even that, in my opinion, they're... Not any of these uh, storylines should be cut out. It's more so that it will be nice to have a major character who doesn't have a storyline like this just just for like a breath of fresh air. Yeah, like, I agree. Just just for like a palate cleanser, you know. Uh, yeah. I don't I don't know who that would be or where they would fit in, but. Um, I mean, Malcolm really is the closest thing to a palate cleanser in this season so far. He's the cleanest character. <laughs> um, yeah, um, 
Jessica's new super, Oscar, I believe his name is. Oh, yeah. Um, he's an interesting addition. He is. Uh, he also played another superhero in the DC Extended Universe. Okay. Or not the DCEU, um, the Arrowverse. Oh, really? Yeah, he played Wildcat. I did And trained, um, Black Canary in How to Fight. I had no idea. Well, that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah. It... I don't really know what else to say in terms of criticizing the show. I think I think you really touched on anything I was going to say there. But uh, I think overall, it's hard to say if I like this season better than the first. The one thing that the first season has over this is a great villain. Because Kilgrave was... A fucking outstanding villain. Yeah. And this sh- this ep- this show doesn't seem to have that, at least where I'm at. Uh, I don't know if that changes past episode six. Um, as far as I am, in episode nine, not really. Okay. But the one thing I think this season has over the first... Uh, it's closer to the comics, the the Alias comics by Brian Michael Bendis, in how it um, focuses more on the detective side of things, the PI side. Yeah. And that is my favorite thing about the show so far. Uh, the amount of time they're focusing this season on Jessica's process and her investigations, as opposed yeah. to... Uh, like last season they focused a little more on her relationships like yes we are getting that but I mean I would say a good 75 to 80% of each episode is her actual investigative process and the cases she's working on yeah and the fact that she's kind of mentoring Malcolm when she's not you know yeah berating and abusing and kicking around this guy who you know could easily relapse who just wants to help who's trying to learn from her exactly and i don't know like but like the skills he's picking up from her like he's starting to become a pretty good pi too yeah exactly and i think that's what the show needs to be and like an exclusively almost detective uh sort of noir style show about alias investigations yeah when it does that the show really works for me yeah like I, I I'm that's when it hooks me uh, I know what you're saying like like there are times where I kind of stop paying attention to the show where I like zone out a little bit I'm like I don't really know if I want to watch another episode but when they go into the investigations or even when it's just her and Malcolm trying to sort through some through some shit back at the apartment like uh, and looking into things on the computer like the investigative side of it is when the show really shines for me yeah uh, all in all I, I think between the highs and lows it's pretty on par with the first season yeah 
It really depends on... I'm hoping for a pretty big finish at the end of it just to make up for the lulls of the rest of it. And I know what you're saying. Like, if you're going into this looking for fight sequences and action, you, that's it's not what you're going to get out of this show. Well, I mean... I get it. Jessica's a... She's a good P.I. Yeah. But... If she's not going to be, like, if there's not going to be many action sequences, what's the point in her even being superpowered? Like, can't, if she's just going to be a good PI and not going to be fighting, like, you know, powerful adversary, why not just have her be... A female who's a damn good investigator. That's a good point. Solving cases. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, without the action scenes and whatnot, her powers are somewhat irrelevant. Yeah. I know what you're saying there. Because she is a damn good PI. Oh, yeah. But to have someone who's, you know, on par with Luke Cage in terms of strength and durability, basically. Well, not as much durability because, you know, his unbreakable skin. Yeah. But someone who's on that level of strength and really, like, all we've seen her use it for so far is, like, I'm going to move this fridge. Yeah. I'm going to punch through the hood of a car while intimidating this guy and oh she's getting banged in a bathroom stall and oh look she's starting to crumble the wall of the stall like you know yeah I know what you're saying there the powers are definitely being underused in this show yeah Uh, overall, like, I'm not gonna rank it per se, I haven't finished it, but if it's consistently the way that it has been so far, I'm gonna say this is also roughly middle of the pack, probably close somewhere in the ranking to the first season. Yeah, right now I'd probably put it, if we looked at where we ranked all the previous seasons of the Marvel Netflix series I would put it directly below uh, the first season above Iron Fist and Defenders yeah that's that's uh, I really need to rewatch the first season just to see what I like more because I'm really digging the like I said the investigative side of it but uh yeah, it's it's pretty much neck and neck with the first season. The first season did have more action, I will admit. Yeah. And I mean the first season had Luke Cage, so that's a big pull. Yeah. So yeah, Jessica Jones season 2. I am looking forward to finishing that. And like I really like Kristen Ritter, so I'm oh, yeah. always pulling for this show to Marvel like I like most of the actors on this show, I'm so I'm pulling for it to be a success, but 
you know, it's just not hooking me. Yeah. I'm having to, like, actually force myself to watch it because I'm like, I, I could watch this on Netflix. I could watch, like, 15 Watch Mojo countdowns on YouTube. Yeah. So I'm like, no, I I need to finish Jessica Jones. Like, I'm trying to get to the end of it. And it's just like this, like, ugh. <laughs> well, who knows? Like, maybe okay. maybe they go crazy in the end. I, I hope the last three episodes are just mind-blowing. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it might be someone else's cup of tea and just not ours, but... That's how I feel about it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, if you did really enjoy the first season and you really like the characters and world of Jessica Jones and Alias Investigations, definitely check it out. Because it's... I think it's very much in line with the first season. Minus yeah. minus Luke Cage, Kilgrave, and some action, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. I think it's time for a fan casting. Me too. It's been a while since we've done one of these. Um, if you happen to be a newer listener, I don't know if we have those or not. Um, <laughs> which, you know what? I'm going to uh, tangent here. Uh, on our last episode, we celebrated 1,000 downloads. And I think maybe a week ago... I noticed we had jumped up to like 1100. So somebody's listening. <laughs> we're getting yeah. we're getting new listeners apparently. Don't know how or where. They're they're very silent listeners. Uh so if you happen to be a uh uh if if you happen to be a new listener and you haven't listened back to our old stuff, we like to do fan castings we like to take a hypothetical or rumored or future movie tv series that sort of thing and kind of give our dream cast of who we would want to play each character um so we're gonna try casting the legend of zelda which yep <laughs> i don't know it like we're, we, we said we're gonna do live action here right yeah like, I don't know if a live-action Zelda should actually exist. Um, I don't know. Did you pick a certain game to go with? I did, yeah. What one did you go I with? I decided I was going to go with Ocarina of Time because I was currently playing the 3DS version of it. Oh. And I was... I had, like one temple left to do when I was working on this casting. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I also went with Ocarina of Time because I feel like if they ever have a chance of selling the story of uh, Zelda to a wide audience, this is the game to do it with. Yeah. It has probably the most easily digestible story, most memorable characters, and just, I think it's it's probably the, would you say it's the biggest Zelda game? I think so. 
I think so, yeah. So, uh, I got some real sort of uh, oddball picks here. I don't know. I'm curious about which characters you chose to do because I changed which five I was going to try and do a couple times. Okay. I went with um, the three that I thought were most essential and would probably be the leading uh, actors of the movie or TV series, whatever it is. And then just two other castings that I thought worked out. That's pretty much what I went with, too. Okay. But I'm curious to see who you went with. Uh... Well, let's go through it. Look, obviously, we both casted Link, I assume. Yes. But did you do Link as an adult or young Link? Because in this game, we get both. I did both. <laughs> ah. See, I... I was going to do both, but then I opted to only do adult Link. Okay, okay. Well, I mean, I think the story could work that way. Like... If you had uh, the movie itself follow Adult Link and flashed back, maybe? Well, there are points in the game where you have to, like, return to the Temple of Time, switch to Young Link, go do this, and then go back to the Temple of Time and switch back to Adult Link. Hmm. I I really feel like any Zelda adaptation would have to be a TV series. Just based yeah. on, just based on length alone. Like I don't know if a movie well, would. Well, I mean, like you could put like if it was like a Netflix series with like the fifty-minute episodes, then you know each you could have an episode devoted to each temple, basically. Oh yeah. That like works. you can have like episode one could be the intro. Episode two could be. Um, inside the Deku tree. Yep. You know, episode four, by episode four, you've got uh, the third medallion, and you know, heading off to become adult Link. And then, you know, from there you go through the other episodes, and then have a couple episodes devoted to you know taken down the big bad at the end you could have like an episode in between dungeons here and there where you know it's just traveling and item collection and stuff like that and taking on other quests but you know you'd almost need a full episode for like the water temple the shadow temple yeah yeah so uh obviously you casted link yeah. I'm guessing you casted Zelda. Yeah. And Ganondorf, I assume, also? Yeah. Okay. Yes. So, how about we... Ca- we uh, Let's give our answers for the other two, whatever they were. Yeah. Well, I know you've got Young Link, so I'm curious as to who your fifth was. Uh, oh, well, actually, I, I just sort of counted Link and put two actors there. <laughs> So I, I guess I okay. kind of have six. Um, That's cool. One of my options also did that. Okay. But I changed my answer because I just thought it was too easy. Fair enough. 
so yeah, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll start. Uh, uh, one of the characters I decided to cast, just because this character, when I did attempt to play, I'm not going to say I played the game, I, I only got about halfway through it. Uh, uh, this character struck me as just a really fun, memorable character. So I casted Darunia. So did I, yeah. Okay, okay. Let's compare here. Uh, I went a different route. Uh, Darunia always struck me as like uh, an almost comedic character. Uh, real fun. And I went the route yeah. of uh, Tyler Labine. I don't know. I can see that. Uh, for those of you who don't know, he played uh, Dale in Tucker and Dale vs. Evil. He voices Hunk in uh, Voltron, Legendary Defender. And for all you 90s kids, he was Jimmy in Breaker, Breaker High. High. Breaker fucking High, man. Uh, Ryan Gosling. He kind of just looks like what Darunia would look like if Darunia were a, a white male. A white human male. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, he's got the voice for it. He's got the look. Uh, add some some practical like prosthetic effects and a touch of CGI and I think he could do it. See, you saying Tyler Levine puts me also in the mind of Parks and Rec era Chris Pratt. Oh yeah. I don't know. I think I think he's committed to the fitness now. I don't know if you'd ever consider putting the weight back he's on. Very, yeah. Well, I mean, he did go up to 300 pounds again for um uh, delivery man. Oh yeah. But then, since he got in shape for Star Lord, because he got in shape for was Zero Dark Thirty. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he got in shape for that, and then he got way out of shape and up to three hundred pounds and overweight for Delivery Man to play the lawyer friend in that, whose name I'm blanking on. I but don't remember. Either. He hasn't gotten out of shape again since he did. Uh, the movies as Star Lord or the Jurassic World. But, um... Can I interrupt for one second? Yeah. Delivery Man came up in another fucking episode, and I am going to 100% cut together a montage of every time the movie Delivery Man has been mentioned on this podcast. It's a good movie. <laughs> it really is. Uh, good old Starbucks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Who'd you cast as Darunia? I went just pure CGI, and I went with my one of my favorite actors and the best person to ever do CGI, in my opinion, Andy Serkis. Nice. Oh, that's a good pick. Um, I watched videos recently of, like, the evolution of, like, him talking about the evolution of motion capture. Yep. And showing how, like, it's evolved from, like, the first time he played Gollum up until, like, the latest Planet of the Apes movie and such. Yeah. And just, like, watching that, I was like, oh, this is so fucking cool. And he was talking about, like, how the technology's changed and how his approach to everything has changed. And then I found a video which showed him doing the voice and the motion capture for Snoke in the latest Star Wars movie. And 
it just got me hyped. And I just was looking for an excuse to cast Andy Serkis in something else. Because I'm a huge fan of the guy. I yeah. think he's so talented and so smart. I think uh, the fact that Andy Serkis' performances cannot be considered for awards uh, because their motion capture and they don't they don't consider that I think that just is proof that award shows are bullshit because I completely agree the fact like Gollum sure uh, Snoke I guess but the fact that Andy Serkis did not win any sort of best actor award for playing Caesar in the Planet of the Apes is a it's fucking tragedy like that is well, he had to put in prosthetic teeth so that his mouth, when it moved, would be more the shape of Caesar's because yeah. of those enlarged canines or whatever yeah. apes' teeth are called. Yeah, for sure. But he had, like, thousands of these little sensors on his face for some of these movies, and... He had to actually move his face and emote how he wanted Caesar to emote. Yeah. Like, he had to, like, be so precise in how his face moved, like, down to, like, his eyebrows and his mouth. And, like, it was so technical. He definitely should have been recognized by the Academy for all the hard work and skill that went into that. Yeah, like, it's not like he's not acting. It's not like it's not his performance. It really is. What you're seeing on screen, I mean, sure, it's an ape, but it really is Andy Serkis. Yep. Anyway, uh, yeah, Andy Serkis, uh, greatest greatest mocap actor of all time, easily. Yep, and a pretty good voice actor as well. Yeah. No, I think that's a fucking great pick for Darunia. Yeah. Uh, so the other one I went with, uh, <laughs> I, just just to see how many times I can piss people off in this episode, uh, Navi. <laughs> oh my god. I know, I know, everybody hates This me. one didn't even cross my mind. <laughs> no? No. You know, because when I was playing this game on my 3DS, I kept the volume muted, so not once during my play time did I hear, Stop! Listen! <laughs> not once. And oh. I loved it. Oh, man. Uh, I, f- I feel like if they just ignored Navi in an adaptation altogether, like they're missing out on some real fun. You can make Definitely. you can make jokes at the expense of the character, you know. Uh, yeah. So I was thinking about it. I was like, okay, well, obviously you don't need a live action uh, actor here. It's just a voice, a voice actor who's willing to sign on to a big project to do almost nothing but absolutely nail it. Alan Tudyk. Well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Alan fucking Tudyk. 
And for those of you who don't know and haven't heard me go on and on about Alan Tudyk before, uh, he played K2SO in Star Wars Rogue One, uh, Tucker in Tucker and Dale vs. Evil, the other half with Tyler Labine. Uh, he's done voice work in Frozen, Moana, Wreck-It Ralph, Zootopia, Big Hero 6, and, I mean, most importantly, the biggest role, the one he's known for, he's Wash. Steve the Pirate in Dodgeball. Yes, the pirate in Dodgeball. That is the one. He had is absolutely nothing to do with Firefly. He was not Wash in Firefly. He was the pirate in Dodgeball. Uh, <laughs> but no, I thought about it, and uh, in Moana, he voiced that little fucking chicken. Uh, ho, okay. ho, oh, or or ho, ho, hi, hi. It's 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 not ho, because that's the fucking Pokemon. Um, <laughs> hey, hey. I, I can't even remember what it's called. It's just this chicken, and all it doesn't have a voice. It doesn't talk. It just just makes chicken sounds. And they hired Alan Tudyk to do chicken sounds for a Disney movie. That's awesome. So yeah, Alan Tudyk would be totally on board for coming into a studio for a day and just recording, hey, listen, <laughs> and in, in an annoying voice. It would be perfect. Well, I mean, really, you could have Navi have a bigger role than that because, like, yeah. during enemy fights, like, you know, if you're unfamiliar with the game, if you're struggling, like, when you lock onto them, you can, you know, talk to Navi and she'll say, like, where the weak point is on the boss. Yes, yes. That is right. You are. So, I mean, you could do that, but a lot of people don't use Navi for that and just try and tune out the hey listen bullshit. Yeah. But uh, I, I have I think Alan Tudyk would be so on board for something like that, like what you described. Yeah, and like I feel like he'd bring the comedy you need in order to pull off that character. Yep. So yeah, that's my pick there. Nice. Plus, I want Alan Tudyk um, in everything, so. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, for my other person that is not the trinity of the Zelda universe, I went with Impa. Okay. Zelda's guardian, and turns out to be one of the six sages. Okay, yeah. And... Sometimes, like, Impa's portrayed differently in different Zelda games. Sometimes, you know, she's Splendor Warrior. Sometimes, like, she's more heavy set. She's always Zelda's, you know, caretaker. Always her bodyguard, like, her watchdog. And But she usually always has, like, these facial markings or face paint. Okay, yep. And so I started thinking about what female characters could rock those facial markings. And as I was playing the game, as I was thinking about who I could cast for this, I was watching Thor Ragnarok. Oh. And I saw Tessa Thompson as Valkyrie rocking those little facial markings she has for much of the movie. And I was like, 
she would make a badass Impa. She just played Valkyrie, so obviously she, you know, can do the physical combat parts of it that, you know, would make her believable as someone's protector. She would look good rocking the facial markings. I think Tessa Thompson would be a good input. Yeah. That's a good pick. Yeah. Solid casting. I thought it was a much better pick than my other idea that was way too easy of casting the Olsen twins as twin Rova. <laughs> Do they even act anymore? I don't think so. But last I seen pictures of them, they're not looking the best. So playing these old witches that are twins. <laughs> yeah. Just seemed like it was too easy and me just taking a you know, cheap shot at you know, former child celebrities. So you decided not to do that. <laughs> you decided not well, to. Still you, found a way. To you just you decided not to make that joke because you're above that. No, I, I decided to keep that joke to myself and not make it on our podcast. Well, that was that was very thoughtful of you. Uh, <laughs> okay, let's move on to the Trinity. Yes, sir. Uh, the one there's one character like obviously I'm interested to hear who you cast for all three of these characters but there's one in particular that I'm most interested to hear who you thought of okay well uh, you pick whichever one you want to do first let's do Zelda then Link then Ganondorf because that's the order of how interested I am in your picks okay uh, I've got weird picks. Uh, I've got picks that might uh, might piss some people off. I guess I didn't go traditional. I didn't. Uh, I decided. Like I know you would initially look and say, "Okay, Zelda. We need a a white woman with blonde hair." No, I didn't go that route at all. Uh, I decided to go based on what is needed of the character and when you cast Zelda you're not just casting Zelda you're casting Sheik so yes. you, you need someone who can pull off both the beautiful princess and the warrior Sheik uh, so the honestly there was only one choice that came to mind for me and that is Lupita Nyong'o uh Best known for Nakia in Black Panther and uh, Maz Kanata in Star Wars. Uh, so yeah, I, I casted a black Princess Zelda and I don't care what anyone thinks because she she can do the action, she can play a fierce warrior, but she could she's fucking gorgeous. And she could yeah. she could do a great Princess Zelda. Uh, if people don't get too pissy about it. Um, well, I mean, some people are going to get pissy no matter what you do. Yeah. Well, I mean, in casting a, a Zelda, if they were actually to do this, people would be angry no matter what. So. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, that's my pick, Lupita Nyong'o. See, I went with someone who would look like Zelda from the game and still 
be a pretty decent castmate or like actress. Okay. And I I went with Elle Fanning. Oh yeah. 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 She uh she really does look like Zelda. Like <laughs> like she we're a weird amount. It just take away yeah. like some of the, the the pointiness of the N sixty four graphics and you've pretty much got her spot on. Yeah. Uh, no, that's solid. I, I've actually, like, ever since I saw her in Super 8, I mean, she was pretty young there. She's She was probably, like, 13, 14 years old. I was like, she's gonna be a fucking fantastic actress, and I can't wait to see what she does in the future. Yeah. Uh, no, solid. I mean, she looks the part. I'm not sure how well she would do with the action scene, but, I mean, we've seen... Some people, you know, surprise us with when they've gotten in shape and busted their ass and worked hard at it. Like, some people have really, you know, shown what they're capable of when they've taken on their first action role. Yep. So, maybe, you know, you Uh, put her with a trainer and she could become a badass sheik on top of that and blow everyone away. I'm going to say that uh, because of A, there is, like, like there are some movies in her filmography where, no, she hasn't done fight scenes exactly, but she has done some pretty high action style movies. Like, Super 8, she, like, it's not just dialogue and drama. She, you know, there are action sequences. Uh, yeah. Combine that with the fact that she grew up watching her sister Dakota act and that Dakota Fanning herself has actually done some fight sequences in movies I feel like she'd be I feel like she would catch on to it pretty quick yeah I feel like she has the ability to take that sort of thing on so yeah I'm I'm totally behind that one Uh, Time for Link. Let's do Link. Okay. uh, Another one that people might disagree with. Uh, I casted young and adult Link. And I did not cast a male actor. um, Because for me, Link was never really about the gender. It was like you never played Zelda because you wanted to be a big manly warrior. Uh, well, I mean, Link is fairly androgynous looking. Really? Like, like when the when the first trailer for Breath of the Wild came out, the internet was full of suspicion that the protagonist of this one was going to be female. But, yeah. but that was not the case. It was just straight up that, nope, that's just Link. He's always looked androgynous. Um, Especially as the games have gotten more and more textured, yeah, less polygonal. Exactly. So, um, what I looked for in casting Link was someone who could, 
A, do the fight sequences. Someone who could do the action. Um, someone who can act their ass off and carry a, a movie or TV series as the lead. And was not particularly masculine or feminine. Very much riding the line, right in the middle. And okay. so what I landed on was for Young Link, uh, Daphne Keene, who played X-23 in Logan. Yeah. Uh, and as Adult Link, Maisie Williams, who is Arya Stark in Game of Thrones. Which, Ooh. Maisie Williams, uh, don't get me wrong, she's a beautiful woman. When she, when she actually tries, like, I mean, sorry. Not to put that, not to put that weirdly, but like, in the show they dress her down to the utmost degree. Uh, you look at her Instagram; she's a fucking beautiful woman, but she can go either direction with her look, depending on what she wants. Uh, so she looks either as masculine or as feminine as she wants at any given time, and she, you look at her and you're not really sure if she's a child or an adult. Which was is exactly how I look at Link. Like, it, even adult Link is kind of like, is that a man or is that a little boy? I don't really know, you know. Uh, and I feel like that's like the main thing about Link is Link is not particularly any age, any gender. Link is very much an avatar for the player of the game. Uh, and I feel like that's the best way to do it in a TV show or movie. To have someone that doesn't particularly... Like, anyone can see themselves in that role. Yeah. Because they're not... Like, um, like for example, uh, in superhero movies these days, Wonder Woman. Uh, Wonder Woman came out and women were finally like, yes, someone I can relate to. Black Panther came out. The black community said, yes, I can see myself in this. Link was always anyone can see themselves because Link doesn't particularly have anything uh, overly specific about them. Yeah. So Maisie Williams, Daphne Keene, uh, that is, those are my picks. Just completely riding the line right in the middle, and and they're both fucking fantastic actors. Uh, if you've seen any Game of Thrones or if you've seen Logan, you you know how well they can act and they can definitely pull off the fight scenes, like no question. So that's what I landed on. Um, my pick for Link, I went with someone who, um. I saw the new The Strangers movie mm-hmm. lately, and it wasn't the best movie ever, but I, I very much enjoyed it. Okay. I don't have enough to say about it to constitute a review, but one of the things I enjoyed about this movie was it had a very small cast. Oh, okay. There were like maybe a dozen people total in this movie. Nice. And I like horror movies that have minimalist cast. No, I have to agree. And one of the 
main characters in this movie was Lewis Pullman, son of Bill Pullman. Oh, okay. And it was the first thing that I really saw him in. Like, I'm like, a minute, I, he didn't. In this movie, like, my attention. It wasn't the greatest role ever. It wasn't, you know, but, you know, he was one of the few characters in a horror movie. And he has fight scenes in this movie. And he, I find he kind of looks the part. Okay. And he's around the same age as Elle Fanning that, you know, it looks plausible that they could, you know, have been young Link and young Zelda around the same time and then seven for adults. Okay, yeah. I thought he was good in The Strangers, and it looked like he could handle a fight scene, especially, like, The Strangers movie was a bit lower budget than what, obviously, a huge Legend of Zelda live-action production would be. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. So, obviously, they would bring in even more trainers and people like that to nail down the choreography and, you know. Well, I I enjoyed watching him in this movie, and I thought, you know, he could do a bigger role like this if he was put to the task. And, yeah, I, I'd like to see him in more stuff. I'm, I'm interested to see where this guy's career is going. Okay, cool. Okay, cool. But, yeah, I thought he looked the part around the same age. He handled the fight scenes in this slasher movie well. Like, you know, he, he did a pretty good job of dodging axes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's who I cast, Lewis Pullman. Nice. Hey. I'll have to uh, check I'll him out. Do... Yeah. Um... So, Ganondorf. Yes. This was a tough one. Uh, I had There were a few people that came to mind for me before I settled on my final choice for this. Me too. Um, I, I'll, I'll just go right out with it. I landed on Graham McTavish. Uh... Best known for playing Dwaylin, I, I can't, I don't know if that's pronounced right, in The Hobbit, uh, one of the dwarves, and the Saint of Killers in Preacher, and that's mostly because I just, like, I just got around to finishing up Preacher Season 2, uh, so he was fresh on the mind, and after I wrote it down, like, a bunch of other ideas popped in my head. And I, I don't know if you're going to say anything about those, so I'll just leave them there in case you don't. But there are a lot of people who I would be totally okay with playing Ganondorf. Yeah. Uh, who'd you pick? When I was looking at this casting, like, Ganondorf has always had that, like, grayish, greenish, brownish skin tone. Yep. And, 
Like, he's the only male from this tribe of all females. And they do kind of look a little bit Arabic. Okay. So, I thought, you know, it'd be a good opportunity to cast a talented actor who maybe is of Middle Eastern descent. But I couldn't think of who I wanted to be from that background. But I did find an actor who I liked who has been cast like I I cast Cliff Curtis which sounds like the whitest name out there. I know that name. But the role I know him most from is he was the um, was it FBI or CIA director guy in Live Free or Die Hard. Oh, okay. He was the agent that was, you know, corresponding with John McClane the most. Cliff Curtis. And I thought he was good in that role, and he's of... um, His his ancestry is Maori. So he's Polynesian, I believe, but um, he has played Hispanic and... Middle Eastern characters throughout his career. Okay. Because he does have a bit of a darker skin tone. Like, yeah. at first I was kind of thinking, like, Oscar Isaac maybe, because he's got a darker skin tone, but I was like, no, I wasn't really a fan of what he did with Apocalypse. No. But this guy, he's a taller guy. He could be, you know, fairly imposing. And, yeah, I think... He would be a good casting choice for Ganondorf. I think he would look the part. He could be intense enough to play the part. Just have to put a little bit of red in his hair. Yeah, I just I just Googled him there. Um, uh, I guess he's best known as the lead from Fear the Walking Dead. See, I haven't seen that. I haven't watched any of it because that came out at around the same time that I quit The Walking Dead. But... Uh, it has an audience, like I've, I'm assuming that's probably his uh, his big part. For those probably. for those who want to know who we're talking about here, uh, no, that's a great that's a great casting. Yeah, I'm like I said, I mostly know him from that Die Hard movie, yeah, which happens to be my favorite Die Hard movie. Yep, and I thought he was fantastic in it, and yeah, he was one of the better characters in my favorite Die Hard movie and he looks the part so yeah fuck it nice. I think he would knock this out of the park awesome uh, the other one that came to mind for me was Idris Elba yeah yeah cause I, he popped in my head and I was like yeah I mean if they casted Idris Elba as Ganondorf I would not say no to that cause I've never seen the no, guy God, no. I've never seen him do a bad job with anything. No. Like, I've never seen even the worst movie Idris Elba, like, like which I don't know what that is. The, the worst movie, worst time I've ever seen him was still like, man, it's too bad Idris Elba ended up in this bad movie. He's actually doing a good job. Uh, yeah, really well. So yeah, that uh, that is our attempt at a Legend of Zelda fan casting. Um, so if you, if you guys think, uh, we did a, 
good job, a bad job, if you have better ideas, uh, if you have your complaints, <laughs> you know, comment, uh, let us have it. Yeah, for sure. If you, if you just want to tell us that a, a live action Legend of Zelda is the worst idea you've ever heard, tell us that, and we might not even fully disagree. Uh, <laughs> But uh, this is our best. Uh, this is our best uh, attempt at it, anyway. Um, I like th- that. My challenge, honestly, like I I thought about going about this in a comedic way and making a joke about it. But then I thought I'm gonna challenge myself to make a Zelda an adaptation that I actually want to see. And I think I was successful because I I would watch this. Yeah, yeah, I, I I really would. I'd be more likely to watch this than to ever finish a Zelda game. I think so. I think the best route to go would be a series, though, rather than a movie. Yeah. Because if you try to fit all those temples and dungeons and things like that that are pretty essential to a Zelda experience into a movie, you'd be cutting them all pretty short and cramming them in and it would almost be like a fucking montage. Holy shit. What if they did Zelda as a TV series in the way that they do Doctor Who? Where you know how like the, the Doctors change and that's fit into the storyline. Right? Yeah. So what if they covered a story of a game for a couple seasons with a cast and then they came in with a new Link so that the actor who's probably now too old to keep playing Link has a way out. They find someone else and they cover a new game and so on. Yeah. Plus, I mean, like, Link's appearance stays somewhat the same, but other characters like Zelda and Impa and Ganondorf and people like that changed pretty drastically from some iterations of the game like Twilight Princess and Wind Waker and Ocarina of Time like yep, that's you true. know it changes quite a bit how long do you think before we get a live action adaptation of Spirit Tracks <laughs> I think we'll put a pin in that one yeah okay uh, let's move on the uh, the part I'm excited for, and I'm sure you are too. Uh, we're gonna talk some Kevin Smith. Yep. Uh, now, if you don't know Kevin Smith, uh, we talked about him a bit last episode. Uh, film director, actor, podcaster, writer, comic book writer, even. Uh, Kevin Smith, best known for his, uh, I guess he sort of started the cinematic universe in a way with the the View Askew uh, universe. Uh, and uh, of course he's best known for his, um, his biggest characters, Jay and Silent Bob. That's pro- if you don't, if you're not a Kevin Smith fan, you've never watched his movies, you've at least heard of Jay and Silent Bob, and you probably recognize them. Yep. Uh, but he's relevant to this podcast not because he makes superhero movies, but because he makes 
movies that perfectly uh, represent the geek side as opposed to showing heroes on screen he shows geeks on screen he shows uh, comic book uh, comic book lovers uh, film snobs uh, even even in mall rats with the references to NHL 95 um, he he really it's a geek putting himself and his friends as the characters in these movies and his love for the things that we love really comes through in a lot of his stuff. So if you're wondering why the fuck we're talking about this guy and not talking about uh, Batman or Spider-Man, this is why. Because he's one of us. We're talking about Fatman. Fatman. A different sort of hero. Uh, so if you haven't seen his movies, I do recommend you check it out. And and we'll we'll try and give a a bit of an idea of what each of these movies are as we rank them today. So, I think the best way to do this, let's spit off our list and then go through the movies one by one. Okay. Who's going first? I'll let you take the lead. Okay. Not gonna, not gonna make any comments on the movies yet. I'm just gonna tell you my list from 8 to 1 and... We'll talk about them afterwards. Number eight for me sure. was uh, Yoga Hosers. I haven't seen Yoga Hosers, so I yeah I, I couldn't really rank it. I I'm thinking there's a couple probably near the the bottoms of our list that uh, are dissimilar because there's a, like a movie or two I haven't seen yet either. Okay. Uh, Number seven for me was Tusk. Uh, number six, I said Chasing Amy. Okay. Number five was Clerks 2. Uh, and now the top four is where it gets a little closer for me. Number four, I said Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Uh, for number three, I said Mall Rats. Number one, oh, sorry, number two. I said Clerks, and for number one, I said Dogma. That's interesting. So what? Okay, what are you, what is your ranking of these? Uh, well, not these exact eight, because um, I'm thinking there's a couple differences here. We had two movies in the same place. Hmm. Okay, I I don't, I don't know I don't know which ones. Let's uh, just tell go for it. I actually did a top nine because I looked at all the Kevin Smith movies I own and I was like, you know what, like, we're doing a top eight. I own nine of them. Okay. I'm just going to rank all nine of them just to make things easier on myself. Fair enough. So number nine, I said Chasing Amy. Okay. Number eight, I said Cop Out. Yep. See, I haven't seen Cop Out. Number seven was Tosk. Ah, same spot. Okay. Yep. Six was Zach and Miri make a porno. All right. Number five was Clerks. Okay. From five on, it was, well, five to three 
was kind of hard for me because they were all so close. Yeah. And then the top two were easy for me. Okay. Um, yeah. So five, I had Clerks. Number four, I said Dogma. Okay. Three, Mallrats. Okay, that's the other similar one. Two was Clerks 2. Okay. And one, I said Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Fair enough. Okay, we, uh, a lot of differences here. So, yeah. what's the best way to run through these? I guess, uh... Let's just... We could take it movie by movie and just explain why we ranked this movie where we did. Yeah. You want to go, uh... Let's go through these movies in order of release. Sure. So, start at the beginning here, Clerks. The yep. the movie that uh, started Kevin Smith's career. I have ranked it number two. You had it number five. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, if you haven't seen Clerks, Clerks is exactly what it says it is. It's uh, a movie set in a convenience store about two guys working shit jobs and uh, two guys selling drugs outside the store and. Uh, just the ins and outs of working a shitty job with little money and almost no respect. Yep. Uh, shot entirely in black and white and actually shot in the convenience store that Kevin Smith worked at at the time. Uh, the quick stop. Uh, man, Clerks is just... It's just such a fucking iconic movie is what it is. It is. It's very iconic. Uh, the beginnings of Jane Silent Bob. Uh, I I've watched it. I, I rewatched it for the first time in a while the other day, and it's just such a like it. The, the way the movie presents itself in like like the title card and then the scene and then a title card and a scene like these little vignettes. Um, it's really fun. Like it's re it's really almost sitcomish, in the way it is. And it's fun when movies do things in vinaigrette, but. <laughs> uh, and I even... just want an excuse to say that. <laughs> no, I um, I really enjoy Clerks. It was hard not putting it number one. It's probably his most liked movie, I guess, or at least one of the like. One of the most acclaimed movies of Kevin Smith. Clerks um, is a fantastic movie. Yeah. Uh, but I noticed when we're talking to my favorite director. Yep. It's like there's so many of his movies that I enjoy so much and I watch them so frequently. Yeah. Like the only one I don't overly enjoy watching is Chasing Amy. Okay. Which got my bottom spot. Yeah. But, like, I enjoy them all. It was kind of hard for me to do some of these rankings. The top two were the only ones that I knew where they were going right off the bat that I found easy. So, 
Yeah. Like, like me placing Clerks fifth is not me taking anything away from Clerks. I no. love this movie. It's just it doesn't stand up as high as some of the other movies do for me. Yeah. Um, I don't really have anything negative to say about Clerks. It's a fucking hilarious movie. The dialogue is sharp. Uh, Kevin, Sm- it's some of the best Kevin Smith dialogue. Um, and if you've ever worked, I feel like everyone listening, like everybody can relate to having worked a fucking bullshit job where you are literally just the first line of defense against customers who are rightfully angry about a terrible business. <laughs> yep. People or he, taking their frustrations out on you, even yeah. though you're just as frustrated about that bullshit as they are. Whether it's a convenience store or a grocery store or a fucking McDonald's or... I mean, you've worked a job like this. And sure, it's exaggerated. Uh, I'm sure uh, a gum representative never came to your store and in- tried to incite a riot <laughs> uh, against smoking in order to sell more gum. That probably didn't happen, but, uh, you know, similar sort of bullshit <laughs> to a lesser extent. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't have anything bad to say about Clerks. Clerks is fantastic, and it launched the career of Kevin Smith. Yep. It's a good starting place. Wherever you rank it, it's a perfect starting place if you've never seen Kevin Smith. Oh, God, yes. His follow-up to Clerks, uh, not as acclaimed, pretty underrated, actually. And we, we ranked it the same place here, uh, Mallrats, right? Number three? Yeah. Mallrats is fucking funny, very underrated. I watched it again recently, and I was like, this movie is great. It really is. I, I think... Uh, Mallrats might be my favorite uh, Jason Lee performance ever. Jason Lee was fantastic in this movie. As uh, Brody, right? Yes. Man, I I just love it. From from like the second you see Brody, he wakes up in bed with his soon to be ex girlfriend. Uh, walls covered in fucking comic book posters and he makes some excuse about why he can't do whatever with, I can't remember exactly what it is What he's making an excuse about why he can't do something with his girlfriend because he's in the middle of a very important game in like NHL 95 yep and the, like the first time I watched the movie as soon as I saw that I'm like I'm gonna like this fucking guy uh <laughs> And that movie is just fucking... And, and it's the same thing. Like, everyone listening has worked the shit the shit job like Clerks. I'm sure everyone listening has had that time in their life where they spent way too much time at their local shopping mall. Oh, yeah. Everybody knows the mall rats. The, the, the people who just show up every day because they're bored and they have nothing better to do. Yep. I've been one. I really have. I've gone to the mall looking for shit to do, hung around, played an arcade. That's me whenever I have free time in St. John's. Right. Like it. 
The Avalon Mall is the perfect example. <laughs> that yeah. place is filled. And, uh, yeah, when I lived, the first time I moved to St. John's, it was the same thing. I, like, my friend worked at the arcade, and I had another friend that worked in the theater, so I just walked to the mall. Hey, is this one working? Sure, let's play some Tetris. Uh, hey, you're working. Uh, any good movies you can get me into free for free? You're just bumming around and looking for shit yeah. to do, right? And you've got uh, mid-mall snacking, like the autonomous <laughs> units for mid-mall snacking. Yes. Like Pretzel Baker and exactly. the coffee shop downstairs. And... Yep. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Ma- oh, a funny story about mall rats. Only recently when watching this and Googling the cast did I realize that there were two London brothers. Yeah, one was in... In Mallrats, and the other was in Days and Confused. Yeah, see, I always thought this was one guy who had a pretty decent career in the 90s. And apparently it's two twin brothers who had, eh, careers in the 90s. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was one guy who happened to be in Days and Confused and Mallrats and, was it Seventh Heaven? Something like that. But it was actually two guys who kind of split this okay career down the middle. And, <laughs> I, and I mean, their names are Jason and Jeremy London. So like, yep. when I saw when I th- saw Jason, I was like, oh, I thought his name was Jeremy. I guess I forgot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so I don't know. That that just struck me as funny. Um, you get the, the return of Jay and Silent Bob. You get a big cameo from Stanley. A hilarious fucking cameo from Stanley. Where yep. where all Brody wants to talk about is uh, comic books and uh, his fascination. Their sex organs. Yeah, their sex organs. And uh, Stan Lee is like, no, I'm going to give you girl advice because they're more important than all of this. Uh, yep. And then it turns out that uh, he was getting, <laughs> he was basically being paid off to do the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, it's just a great, it's a great comedy, and it holds up really well. The opening sequence when you're doing, when they're going through like the comic book spoofs for um, the cast. Yeah. Like you've got Ethan Supley as the Incredible Bulk, and <laughs> you've got Priscilla Burns as the Fantastic Two. Yep. But, um, Shannon Hamilton played by Ben Affleck is yep. the butt man because he keeps wanting to do girls in the butt all movie. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So it's butt man and it has like the Batman logo, but it says butt man. And then he goes on to play the goddamn Batman. Yeah. It's pretty fucking funny actually. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, mall rats. Uh, I were very much in agreement on this movie. Uh, one of the rare times where we rank something in the same place. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Anything else you want to say about Mallrats? Or... No. Okay, third movie. This is one, I guess, I think we disagree only slightly on this one. Uh, Chasing Amy. The, yeah, the... I had this at number nine. Funny enough, this is probably the most 
the actually most acclaimed Kevin Smith movie because this actually got like Oscar nominations. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. It's it's much less comedic than most of Kevin Smith. It's way yeah. way more dramatic, way more serious. But there's good to be had in there. There's some, there's some good jokes. You get Jay and Silent Bob in there a little bit. Um. Honestly, I think I would like Chasing Amy a hell of a lot more if the lead character weren't played by Ben Affleck. Like, yeah. I not that I have a problem with Ben Affleck's acting, but when he's supposed to be a likable nice guy with a goatee, it's hard to it's hard to buy into it. He's he's much better as the villain yeah. in my opinion. Like he's way more believable in Mall Rats or Dogma than as Holden and Chasing Amy. Yeah. Uh, I like Chasing Amy because it still takes place within the Viewaskew uh, universe. And you got some good... Viewaskew universe. The Viewaskew universe. Uh, and you still got some good uh, comic book stuff going on there. Uh, I mean, the side podcast, Tridents and Tracers, is named after... The scene at the opening of Chasing Amy, where uh, Jason Lee again, as um, fuck what Banky Edwards, Banky, yeah, 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 gets in an argument about what exactly his job as as a comic inker. Yep. Um, He's just a tracer. Just, just a fucking tracer, man. Uh, <laughs> it's like I don't dislike the movie, but I definitely don't go back to it like the other Kevin Smith comedies. No. So I know you... Are you... Like, for Kevin Smith, I want comedy. I want witty dialogue comedy that I would never think to write myself. Yeah. And Chasing Amy doesn't have that. Fair enough. It's... It's a good, it's an entertaining movie. It's a good story. Yeah. But it's not as comedic as I like from my Kevin Smith films. And that's what I go to Kevin Smith for, is movies that are going to have me in stitches. Yeah. But all, like, even the emotional parts of Chasing Amy don't hit me as hard as I would like. No. I feel like the movie just kind of, it's kind of bland in all departments. Okay. It's kind of like jack of all trades, master of none type thing. Yeah. It's got a few laughs in there. It's got a few heartfelt moments in there, but the laughs don't have me laughing out loud. They just, you know, have me just chuckling and the uh, heartfelt moments don't have me like reaching for the Kleenex. They just have me just kind of like sitting back and watching. Yeah, no, I I agree. But like, it's the sort of thing where no uh, Kevin Smith uh, drama like this is not as good as his comedy. But I would take a Kevin Smith drama over a hell of, uh, like most other dramas. <laughs> Yeah. But 
you know, is what it is. Uh, anything else you want to say there? No, I'm good on chasing Amy. Okay, uh, moving on to my number one. Uh, I forget where you put it. Dogma. Number four. Number four. Okay. Um, you go ahead on this one. Yeah. Anything? Like, do you actually have any? I'm guessing. I mean, it was ahead of Clerk, so I, I doubt you actually have any criticism of Dogma. Um. No, Dogma was fantastic. They had, like, this is where we saw the start of the Buddy Christ and movies and things like that that would become, like, running staples in View Askew. Yeah. Is, is it's this... where we started to, like, yeah, we had bigger names like Jason Lee and Ben Affleck in some of the other movies, but this one is where we started to get a lot more of the bigger names. Like, Jason Lee and Ben Affleck were back, but we also, like, and, well, also the guy who played, uh, can't remember his name. Who did he play? The other comic book artist in yeah. Chasing Amy. Oh, uh, shit. Who's, I'm blanking. Who's who is he in Dogma? Uh, he's the leader of the Crips or the gang or whatever they are in oh. the strip club. Oh Jesus, I can't remember that at all. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um. He was the one that they had that staged scene with at the beginning of Chasing Amy, where he would pull out a gun after they asked a bunch of stupid questions oh yeah. yeah 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 um yeah Dwight Ewell is yeah. that the guy yeah okay yeah fuck I never like, did it. he I... was back <laughs> but this is where you started seeing some real star power coming in like you had Chris Rock Alan Rickman Matt Damon um George Carlin George Carlin like, you started seeing some real, like, recognizable names and faces coming to Kevin Smith films here. Yep. Alanis Morissette. Selma Hayek is another one. Yeah. The movie's filled with them, yeah. It's pretty stacked. Um, but yeah, I I very much enjoy Dogma. I fucking love it. It, it makes like it actually makes you think about mythology and such. Yeah. It, it can make you question stuff. For sure. But it's still such a good movie. Uh, for me, Dogma is my number one. Because I just think it's Kevin Smith's most fully realized movie. It's that perfect balance of big budget, uh, big star, but also a really fully fleshed out and well-written script. Where the movie is exactly what it should be. 
and I don't know. Like it's hard for me to say that Kev, like that Kevin Smith ever made a better movie than Dogma. Um, I fucking love it, and like the religious uh, satire in the movie, mixed with the fact that you still get a classic Jay and Silent Bob storyline, and uh, the fact that you get like all the, this excellent um, uh, commentary on Christianity in a movie that also features a shit monster. Yep. <laughs> That's that's fucking peak Kevin Smith in my opinion. Love it or hate it. That... I I thought it was it was hard for me to decide whether Dogma was going to be number three or number four. Yeah, I no. knew it was going to be around there, but it it was hard to choose between that and Mallrat for which got which of those spots. Those view askew uh, view universe movies are. They're just all excellent in their own way. Uh, so the next one after that, if my timeline is right, would be Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Yeah. Which uh, is fantastic because uh, I when I, I uh, rewatched Mallrats not that long ago. Uh, I totally forgot about the the ending, where they uh, they they show Jay and Silent Bob walking down a highway with with a monkey. Yep. And uh, you know that, that's for another story. And they kept well, Suzanne by Weezer was playing. Yeah, exactly. And then they tie that back in and actually make the Jay and Silent Bob movie that explains that story. Uh, yeah. Where did you put this one? James Silent Bob Strike Back. Yeah. Number one. And that was my number four. I I can't disagree so with you, man. Your number four was my number one, and my number one was your number four. I I really can't argue with the logic of this being number one. It's a fucking great movie. It is. Well. So funny. You look at all the cameos in this movie. Oh my god. Like. Aside from the ones I previously mentioned, like Matt Damon and George Carlin and such, you've got Tracy Morgan, you've got John Stewart, Will Ferrell, like Carrie Fisher. Yeah. Uh, Mark Hamill. One of my personal favorite uh, little cameos in this movie is uh, Diedrich Bader. Yep. As the security guard, I fucking love that shit. That and uh, and then the uh, James Vanderbeek and. Jason Biggs. Jason Biggs. Yeah. <laughs> as as uh, we should back up a second here. Uh the story of Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back is and I guess to go back again, in Chasing Amy, the main two characters uh have a comic book series based on Jay and Silent Bob called yep. uh, Blunt Man and Chronic. Uh yeah. two <laughs> superheroes based on Jay and Silent Bob. In Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, Jay and Silent Bob find out that they're making a movie about Blunt Man and Chronic, and that no one thought to ever pay Jay and Silent Bob uh, for using their likeness in a movie. 
And uh, so they set out to to get their money, basically. Or <laughs> yep, uh, and like you've got the callbacks from all the other movies. Everyone. You've got Ben Affleck as Holden McNeil and as himself. Yeah. You've got Jason Lee playing both Banky Edwards and Brody Bruce. Yep. Like, it's, you've got Chris Rock coming back. You've got Jamie Kennedy's in there. It's, it really is the movie that ties it all together. Yeah. It, it calls back from, like, so much of his older works. You've got so many pop culture references with, like, the Scooby-Doo gang and stuff like that. Yep. You've got the Dawson's Creek cameos. You've got Mark Hamill playing Cockknocker. <laughs> yep. And then having a lightsaber fight with Kevin Smith where the lightsabers are a dildo and a bomb. Yep. It really does come together quite beautifully. <laughs> yep. Oh, man. It's a, it's a fucking hell of a good comedy. It is. And... Oh, it just... There's so many good quotes from this movie. It is easily one of the most recognizable Kevin Smith movies, like, for not... For, like, casual movie fans. Oh, yeah. For sure. And rightfully so, because... Like... The beginning scene outside the quick stop with the, like, Jay's rap, yeah. which I'm not going to do right now, even no. though I could. <laughs> and you've got Morris Day in the time at the end, playing Jungle Love. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this man. movie is just fantastic. I, you know what? It's it I... one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah, no, I can see why. So it was a no-brainer that I was going to put James on Bob Strike Back at number one. Yep, nope, solid pick. Uh, let's see. Well, we're not going to go through all the movies. Um, so we'll just go through the ones we actually mentioned. Uh, yeah. Skipping right over Jersey Girl. <laughs> and, yeah. go, and moving on to Clerks 2. Yes, which was my number two pick. And my, what, what did I say, number five? Yeah, number five for me. Um, Clerks 2 was funnier than I remembered it being. Because this movie didn't never really struck me in the same way as the others. I know yeah. a, a lot of people like this movie more than I do. But when I went back and rewatched it, I forgot about it just how many of like the biggest Kevin Smith quotes are from this fucking movie alone. Yeah. Like it it is one of I think like you mentioned Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back being quotable. I think Clerks 2 may be the most quotable Kevin Smith movie. As for like single standalone quotes. Probably. It, it but it just never struck me in the same way. It doesn't have the lasting impact. But it is still a Clerks movie. It still has Randall and Dante. And it still has Jay and Silent Bob. So it has to make the top five. Yeah. 
two words. <laughs> Jeff fucking Anderson. Yeah. In the first Clerks, Randall is just this dickhead. Yep. But the amount of growth you see, like, the amount of character development you see in Randall in Clerks 2. Like, that scene at the end when they're in lockup. Mm -hmm. And, like, you see, like, little breaks in his facade, in his, you know, in his armor. This tough front he puts up of not giving a shit. Yeah. Like, you see the little holes in it all throughout the movie, but then when they're in the lockup, it finally breaks. And when he has that big speech about, like, like when he finally bursts out, like, I'd buy the quick stop and open it myself. And, you know, he has that big, heartfelt, sentimental speech about how, like, Dante's his best friend, and he loves his best friend, and he just wants his best friend to feel the same way about him. And how working in that convenience store is not the most luxurious life, but it made him happy. Fucking with customers and working in a shitty convenience store made him happy. And it's yeah, it's not what everyone does. It's not what everyone's meant to do, but it's his path. And that big speech from Randall at the end gets me every fucking time. It chokes me up. Yeah. No, absolutely. And so you throw that, like, emotional punch on top of all the funny jokes... Now, the movie. for those who don't know, that sounds very dramatic and sad, but this is in a movie that also features uh, donkey sex. Um, <laughs> Interspecies erotica. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where that same character who gives that heartfelt dramatic speech is in lockup giving this speech because uh, cops got calls... <laughs> To the restaurant where, in the middle of the movies, right? Yep. Uh, in the middle of the movies, Randall has hired an inter. <laughs> what, what do you call it? interspecies? Yeah, interspecies erotica. Yeah, interspecies erotica. Uh, with a big burly man fucking a donkey. Uh, yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, so <laughs> it has the. It, Kevin Smith can do it all. He can make us laugh, yeah, like, he can make us cry. Yeah, like, you see, like, after Jason Lee's character, because again, another movie featuring Jason Lee, Lance Dowd shows up and, like, takes a shot at them about working in a burger shack. Like, Randall gets upset. He wants to go drive the go-karts, and he has to clear his head. And he said it takes him back to a simpler time. Yeah. But, like, all this ridiculousness is going on, and they're in lockup for having a donkey show in their fast food restaurant that they work at. <laughs> and everything is just, like, the height of ridiculousness, and then just all of a sudden it just flips on a dime, and then it's just emotional. Yeah. And... 
playing just a completely different side to Jeff Anderson portraying this character. Yeah. And I fucking love it. That, like, when I think of Clerks 2, there are a lot of memorable quotes and jokes and everything like that. But the very first thing I think about is Randall at that part of the movie. It's funny because the first thing that comes to my mind is the the bit where he's fighting with the Lord of the Rings fan. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> uh, the Star Wars versus Lord of the Rings shit, yeah. Uh, yep. That's a fucking good movie. It really is. It's a damn good movie. And with that, we have covered basically all the viewist universe. Yep. Maybe we should have done this list backwards. <laughs> Yeah, we're pro- we're probably gonna fly through the rest of them here. Uh, yeah. So, well, this this next part is basically all you for a little bit here. Uh, Zach and Mary make a porno. I'm just gonna say I'm just gonna quickly get my part of this here. Uh, I left it off the list because it never really struck me much as a Kevin Smith movie. I remember watching it thinking, yeah, that was fine, I guess. And it just never really had any sort of lasting impression. Yeah. It, like, I love Kevin Smith. I love Seth Rogen. It's, it, it wasn't one of my favorite Kevin Smith movies. It wasn't really one of my favorite Seth Rogen movies. You know. Uh, it's really, yeah, it's really... that's why it... Like I said, from number five on, like those five real good Kevin Smith movies, in my opinion, yeah, those were hard to rank. But okay. Zach and Miri, like, I do enjoy this movie. It makes me laugh, but it was nowhere near contention for the top five. Yeah, fair enough. Uh... It, it, I will agree that it doesn't really seem like a Kevin Smith movie. To me, it... Excuse me, more of a Seth Rogen movie? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, you did have some good characters in there, like, I mean, Jason Mewes was in there, and uh, Brandon Routh, Jason, or Justin Long were there. Um, Jeff Anderson comes back. I mean, it was a good movie. Just not on par with the rest of Kevin Smith's awesome work, like the Buick Universe. Okay, yeah. Also, wasn't Tyler Labine in this movie? Yeah, I think he was, wasn't he? He was the guy who came in drunk and tried to buy a coffee while they were shooting a porno. He was just like, fucking hawk it, chuck it, fucking football! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, you're right, okay. Okay. It's a good movie. I enjoy it. I've watched it more times than I'll ever be able to count, but it's just not on the same level. Yeah. Fair enough. Yep. Uh, next is Cop Out, which I still have not got around to watching, and I honestly only want to watch it because of all the shit that went down between Kevin Smith and Bruce Willis. Yeah. And for those who don't know, uh, Kevin Smith has recounted many a time how Bruce Willis was like his childhood hero and then he directed him in a movie and they <laughs> did not get along and it was just a fucking disaster. Uh, 
Yeah. He was really, really hard to work with. Couple of dicks. Couple of dicks. Yeah, that, that was the original title of the movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this movie was originally supposed to star fucking Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg. Oh. So, like, what, what was that other movie? The other guys? Yep. Huh. Um, due to studio disputes and stuff like that, uh, Will and Mark ended up going basically across the street to a different studio and making the other guys. Huh. Yeah. That one I've seen. <laughs> I thought it was pretty funny, actually. I've, I've seen the other guys a lot more than I've seen Cop Out. Okay. If I stuck to the top eight like we discussed originally, this movie would have been my last pick. Yeah. I've seen it maybe a handful of times. It's it's funny. It makes me laugh, but not nearly the same way. Okay. It's not nearly as funny as the rest of them. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, this like it it was easy to put cop out where I put it. Yeah. Uh, now after Cop Out, I recommend watching oh. it. Like I won't tell you to avoid the movie. Yeah. But yeah, just don't have your expectations too too high. Okay. Uh, now after Cop Out, that was when Kevin Smith stopped making his uh, bigger studio movies and started making weirder, smaller movies. A lot of people, like I've heard a lot of criticism about everything past that, like past the Zack and Mary cop-out era. Uh, People saying that Kevin Smith has gone off the rails, uh, he smokes too much weed now, and that's why his movies don't make any sense. But I fully defend his new movies. Like, he's making movies because he knows no one else is going to make this thing, and I kind of want it to exist. Yeah, which I mean... As a creator, like, isn't that what you want? Like, if, like, there's so many things you and I have discussed and thought of that if we had the means to make these movies, like, if we, like, some of the bullshit we shoot at the end of episodes, if we had the ability to actually bring these to life, wouldn't we do it? Fucking, of course. Whether we knew, like, even if we knew it would not be financially successful, if it would not be critically acclaimed, there's some things you and I would make just because we want to see it. Exactly. And that is exactly what Kevin Smith has been doing. Uh, so the first one, we didn't. neither of us put it on the list, Red State. Have you seen Red State? I have not. Me either. It's one that's been like on the back burner for me for a while I, I've heard really good things it's um, sort of a horror movie and I know it's basically uh, a very <laughs> very very loose metaphor for or not not even loose but it's a very uh, obvious metaphor for the Westboro Baptist Church 
and they hated the movie. There was a like a like what the Westboro Baptist Church rioted the premiere of it and so on. So I'm really interested in watching that. Uh, so as for now, it's not on the list just because I haven't seen it. Yeah, that's fair. And then there's Tusk, which we both put at number seven. Yep. I thought Tusk was fucking fun as hell. Like, I I enjoyed Tusk. I did. Like my my main reasoning for thinking Tusk is excellent is because I love podcasting. This has become part of who I am in a way. And uh the fact that this movie came about from the bullshitting on an episode of a podcast and features yep. the main character being a podcaster. It, uh, that's I. I mean, that has to hit home a little bit, you know. Yeah. Uh, if you don't know, uh, Tusk is about a podcaster who finds out about this weird dude living in isolation, um, up north, and <laughs> goes to interview him. Gets kidnapped and turned into a walrus. Yep. And it is so much weirder and more fucked up than that sounds. I love it. I love Tusk. It's it's the beginning of his new trilogy, the Great White North trilogy. I guess I think he's calling it. Um, horror based movies, horror comedies, all set in Canada. Um, yep. I don't know if you have anything else to say about Tusk. I mean, <laughs> I think Tusk. Weird as shit. Tusk speaks for itself. Uh, yeah. It's better to watch it than to hear much about it. Yeah, I I did not believe that Johnny Depp was in this movie. No. Effort. <laughs> as um, what's his name? Guy. I forget. Oh my god. Guy, Guy Lapointe. Is that? Something like that. I don't know if I fucked that up. Maybe that's a hockey player. It sounds like a hockey player. Uh, <laughs> um, but, the, sorry, the True North Trilogy is uh, the actual name of the trilogy that he's working on. Uh, Johnny Depp. Guy Lapointe. I got it. Okay, okay. Not a hockey player. Guy Lapointe. It's... One of the few times I've enjoyed Johnny Depp in recent history because it doesn't seem like Johnny Depp at all. Yeah. Like, you're not watching it and obviously seeing Johnny Depp. You're watching it and you're like, wow, I can't believe that's Johnny Depp. Um, Yeah. And it, it ties directly into the next movie, the last one we have to touch on, Yoga Hosers. Yes, which I still haven't seen. It's um, very much in line with Tusk. I didn't think it was quite as good as Tusk, but at the same time, it is a nice. It's a nice way to end this episode, actually, because uh, it takes place in a convenience store, and it's about two clerks who hate their jobs. Yep. Which is something he's done a few times before. Uh, it actually stars. Uh, Kevin Smith's daughter Harley Quinn, Har- Harley Quinn Smith, and uh, Johnny Depp's daughter Lily Depp, as the yep. 
the two clerks work in a convenience store and accidentally stumble upon a fucking bizarre plot of <laughs> that involves uh, Nazi sauce bratsies they're called they're little tiny miniature Nazi sausages that attack them and are all played by Kevin Smith and <laughs> Ralph Garman is in there and Johnny Depp is back and it is altogether just fucking bizarre uh if you like Tusk, I, I, I do recommend Yoga Hosers. It's, it's a lot of fun. And I'm excited to, to see the third entry in the True North trilogy, Moose Jaws, which is Jaws with a moose. Yep. But before that, he's going to do Jay and Silent Bob Reboot, which I can't fucking wait for. I'm so excited for that. And with that, I think we've covered our Kevin Smith ranking. Yep. I'm so glad we yeah, did we this. Had. I'm I'm really fucking happy we got to do this. So am I. It's been a long time coming. Yeah, like I'm I've really wanted to just really go into Kevin Smith and his movies. And this was a lot of fun. Oh my god, yes. I I think this might be again the longest episode we've ever done. We've been at this for a little while now. Um Yep. But if you are a Kevin Smith fan, I really hope you enjoyed this. Uh, if you're not, and you've never, or if you've never watched Kevin Smith, maybe we've changed your mind. Maybe we've convinced you to go watch something. Uh, yeah. But if you're a Kevin Smith fan and you want more Kevin Smith, uh, let's let's get all the other recommendations out of there. I'm gonna say, go listen to Fat Man on Batman or Hollywood Babylon or Smodcast, or one of the many Kevin Smith podcasts, um, I recommend you go read his book, Tough Shit. It is a fucking fantastic read. Um, maybe even go check out the Clerks animated series. Or, or, comic, oh, book, yeah. or comic Book Men. He's dabbled into TV, and that's something we never even touched on. No, nope, we never touched on all the episodes of the Arrowverse he's directed. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the Flash and Supergirl. Uh, yep. Like, and and then his comics. Jesus, we can't like we need a separate episode just to talk about all the other shit he's done. We definitely do. Yeah. Um, that's for another day. Um, and I guess we're gonna quickly mention the next episode before we uh, get out of here uh, episode 31 of Jedi Dropouts was something we meant to do for episode 30 but now that we're 30 episodes into the podcast we're going to celebrate that with a 30 questions episode yes yes so much like uh, the episode we did for your birthday my birthday yeah, uh, back in September, I prepared 30 unseen questions to ask you on the fly, and it was a fucking blast. Yeah. So, this time, um, we're preparing 15 unseen questions each to ask each other, and that is going to be basically the whole episode. It is going to be 30 
questions covering fucking every which topic. <laughs> I, I got some weird shit in here. I got some very specific stuff. Um, uh, I, I think my questions are pretty interesting as well. Is, I think it's going to be good. Uh, you're going to want... I'm, like, I have no idea what your 15 questions are, and you have no idea what mine are. Yep. It's so, gonna... I tried to answer my own as best as I possibly could, but I have no idea what you're going to be throwing at me. It's going to be... It's, you're not going to want to miss this one. No. Um, and with that being said, I think it's time to wrap this one up. Uh, yep. Thanks again for listening. Uh, thank you for all the downloads, the likes, shares, comments. Uh, mailbag. Uh, yeah. The, all the mailbag submissions so far. That's going great. And they've been fantastic. Oh yeah. Uh, I recently reached out to some people. I don't know if I mentioned this on the last episode or not. Uh, I reached out to some people I knew that listened to the show, and uh, asked for some feedback. Uh, just co- like comments, criticisms, anything we could do to uh, improve the show or stuff that you like that we were doing to keep on doing, you know. And I got some great feedback, and we've been uh, making note of it. And I really appreciate all those comments and all the feedback because. If we know what you guys are enjoying, then we can keep on doing that shit. That really helps. Um, oh, yeah. So thanks for that. Um, and thank you again for listening. Uh, thanks for dropping by. Something, something, drop out. Snoochie boochies! Boochie!